Welcome to Dish the Dirt, a light-hearted and fun podcast about Australian flower growers, their stories, knowledge and insights into the industry. I'm your host Rebecca and each week I speak to a different farmer and get them to dish the dirt. Dish the Dirt acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which we work and live and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. We pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. Hello and welcome to another week. A huge congratulations to Regional Victoria for getting out of your restrictions. I hope that you are all out there living your best lives this weekend and not listening to this podcast because you have way better things to do. Today I talked to the wonderful Sam Webb from Wild Violet Farm. Sam, even as a child, remembers being interested in gardening, especially planting seeds in bulbs and watching them transform from something so simple into something so beautiful. Ten years ago, her and her husband Bren brought their first home and they were spending more time at home after having their first baby, so Sam began transforming their grass-filled garden into an organic food forest filled with berries, veggies, fruit trees and of course flowers for the bees and butterflies. Eventually she had so many flowers that she started selling bunches of them in a farm stand at the front of their house. They sold so well and the community feedback was so lovely that she decided to grow even more flowers. But in doing that needed more room. So she is very fortunate that her brother-in-law let her use a corner of his land in Wandon North to start her very own flower farm, Wild Violet Farm. And now that is where she is and what she is doing daily as a profession and needs to pinch herself to believe it. It's so wonderful to speak to Sam. It's been so wonderful to buy her flowers in the past and I wish her all the best on this beautiful journey that she's on. Let's get into it. Hello. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good. That's good. Um, I just got the kids to bed and I've made the mistake of giving well letting Harriet have a tent in oh, <laughs> like wonderful. up in the lounge yeah it sounds wonderful doesn't it until it's like three days in and she won't take it down oh you're just and, living with it now yeah and it's impossible to like get her to go to sleep in it anyway oh no my, that's my life um how are you how are you going with everything yeah, good. Um, yeah. It's just Lego, like, everywhere. I just have yeah. to pick up Lego before I go to bed or I'll just stand on piles of Lego, which <laughs> is just never fun for anybody. Yeah, that always hurts so much. Um, it's so, so painful. I know, it's so painful. Hey, so I wanted you to start us off with um, how you got on your journey of growing flowers and having this amazing garden that you've got at home and... Okay. Yep. Yeah, just tell me your story. Okay. I don't actually know it, so I'm really curious well, to know where you started. Okay, so I've always loved gardening, like even as a child. Um, mm. I like bulbs. I love that you could plant them and then sort of forget about them and then all of a sudden they just pop up yeah. ages later and there's flowers. But um, when we were renting, we had a little veggie patch that I just put in, Yeah, only temporarily. And then when we bought our house, it just – we put our lemon tree and our lime tree that we kept in pots. Yeah. And I just 
it just started from there. I thought, well, you know, so much goes into um, going out and buying all of your food. Can't you just have it in your backyard? Yeah. Um, so I started with a veggie patch, which is a decent size. It's definitely much bigger than that now. Um, and I started planting trees. So I started planting trees when major events in my life happened, like when my boys were born um, yeah. and things like that, and they're all fruit trees. And then obviously when you start growing food, you grow a lot of flowers as well because you need those for the pollinators, so for your mm. bees and your butterflies, and it helps with your crops. Um, and my love for flowers just totally took over. <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously, I still grow <laughs> so much of our food, yeah. but flowers are just literally everywhere now. Like flowers are in the veggie beds. There's no – flowers are just everywhere. They're growing in the paths. Like there's, there's no <laughs> rules anymore. Um, and then I had all of these excess flowers and I was giving them away and I didn't really know what to do with them. So I just took a risk and put them out on a little trestle table at the front and they started selling. Um, And it was just, it was really, uh, it was really rewarding. Such a simple thing that something you love, somebody else loved. Um, And so my first Mother's Day, I underpriced myself because I didn't really value what I was doing because it was just a hobby. And I sold out so ridiculously fast. It was, I shouldn't have put them so cheap. It was ridiculous. How long ago was that? uh, Two, three years ago, maybe. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, it was a while ago now. Um, And I mean, I'm not a florist, so they're just garden flowers then. That's what they were. Um, and, And so you get what you pay for, I suppose. Um, but yeah, that was exciting. And then oh, I ran out of space here um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very quickly. Like I know we've actually been here for 10 years, so it'll oh, be wow. the end of this year will be 11 years. So the garden has grown in stages. Yeah. Um, and now it's pretty much filled the whole mm. place. We're actually still doing some paving and some new beds this winter. We have been, so that's awesome. been a bit of fun. Awesome. But, yes, I ran out of space and so I asked my brother-in-law um, if I could use a little bit of his farm and he said, go for it. Mm, great. And that's how it started. Yeah. And how big is your patch up there, would you say? Um, it's not. It's only a microflower farm. So yeah. it's, it's about – it's probably 400 or 500 square metres. It's only small. Yeah. Um, and I still grow flowers here at home as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's the mix of the two. But majority of my dahlias and <clears throat> everything I grow up there now. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. It's a bit of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Do, doing both of them is quite a bit of work actually. So having all of your edibles that you still need to um, plant out here and look after. Like berries are quite a bit of work and I grow quite a few berries. Yeah. And having the flower farm. Um, it'd be lovely if the flower farm was on my property because I feel like I could, you know, do them both at the same time. But I feel like I really need to divide my time between that's work time and the garden at home can get a little bit neglected because that's leisure time. So it's it's a little bit different. Do you have any leisure time? (laughs) I know. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do what Um, you love. You don't work a day in your life, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. So what are 
Like, what would be your biggest challenge of your flower farm being off-site, do you think? Oh, I forget things all the time. Mm. I forget my buckets. I forget my snips. Um, Just forgetting things by the time you get there. I'm like, oh, I was going to plant those seeds and I don't have them here. But it doesn't matter. There's always a million things to do. So, obviously, I just have to do things without um the things I've forgotten and they'll have to come back another time so yeah uh, and the children I suppose doing it around the kids there's only so much entertaining you can do standing there in the flowers with the boys they do go on little frog hunts and things which is handy and they are on caterpillar watch most of the time so that's helpful yeah Yeah. (laughs) so have you had any troubles with because you're not on site? Is that like rabbits or wallabies or I don't know what um, kind of pests? We have kangaroos. Yeah, we have kangaroos, yeah. but they sort of, they don't really, they they bowl over a few things, but they haven't really eaten anything. The rabbits have been my biggest pest, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem to dig things. They nibble things. They've eaten a lot of my ammy mages for, for no apparent reason. They've just yeah. aimed for those. So, um yeah, I, I did put up a little fence. They have got under the gate, <laughs> which is been oh, they're so cheeky uh, and they're determined. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose yeah. that compared to other people's damage, I suppose from birds, I know other people get a lot of damage from above. At least yeah. I can sort of fence out majority of the rabbits. So I'm lucky in that way. I did spot a deer up there in autumn, which was a huge oh, wow. shock. Um but I haven't had any deer damage, so I'm very lucky with that because my yeah. fence would not keep a deer out if it wanted to. Like, it could just bowl that fence over. It's not, a, yeah. <laughs> it's not stopping deer. Hopefully they don't like dahlias. <laughs> oh, I think they pretty much – well, dahlias are edible, so they definitely yeah. would be eating those if they had a chance. <laughs> not my dahlias, so, no. Yeah. <laughs> So what inspired you when you first started? Was it just because you loved gardening or was there somebody that you... No, definitely from gardening. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, I'm probably most inspired. It's uh, by Monty Don. He's um, on Gardener's World because I'm truly a gardener who's just turned the love of gardening into a job. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Monty Don, he's amazing. I've watched him on Gardener's World. Uh, for many years and yeah. learned tips and tricks from him. And so I've just turned gardening really onto a big scale. So all of my soil prep, all of my irrigation, everything that I do is just upscaled from what I've done at home, which makes it harder okay. in some aspects because I um, I bring in, you know, worm castings and that sort of thing, which uh, which is, Doing it on a big scale is much harder. I have to have a few worm farms that I'm running here just to cover the farm. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so stuff like that that I've picked up from him over the years that I've just transferred into a bigger scale. I don't know if it would really work on a really large scale um, because it's just me at the farm. Um, on the yeah. odd occasion, Brent will give me a hand if it's something really big, but it's mainly just me yeah. doing everything. Hmm. getting out there in the freezing temperatures and all of that yeah yeah all of that stuff (laughs) 
gosh, I was muddy there the other week when it was pouring with rain. I had two uh, dry as a bone jackets on, two, because it was just going two. straight. Oh, I was oh. getting drenched and I had my waterproof pants on and I was just covered in mud. But I got so much done. And because we've been locked down here, it was nice to get a day just oh, focusing heaven. on yeah. oh, a day away doing things I love. Whether it was raining or not, it didn't matter. I was getting it done. Yeah. <laughs> Should have been skipping around in your linen apron. <laughs> yeah. You know. Can you imagine how muddy that would have been? <laughs> not my beanie and full waterproof get up. Oh. <laughs> uh, so what do you love the most about growing flowers? What's um, I think every stage is a little bit exciting so you go through a full cycle so from that seed that tiny little seed that you sow which most of my polytunnel is full of seedlings at the moment to you finally planting them out and then you're checking them every day because you're so worried that something's going to eat them or you know something's going to happen to those so you have to get down and check those fine little details every day make sure everything's growing well yeah. right through to the harvest even the saving of the seed of that plant so that then you can carry on that cycle the next season I, I, I don't know I, I think harvest obviously is amazing but mm. I don't think you can go past first bloom once you see that first bloom after you've gone through all of those steps it's it's pretty amazing yeah yeah, so that's what you, like, kind of drives you and keeps you going. Oh, first yeah. bloom, first of every season. So at the moment the plums are in blossom. I love seeing okay. that. And then it will be followed by the apples and the pears. Um, yeah, yeah okay. just every little thing, every little first bloom of the season has its mm-hmm. own little magic, I think. So what are you growing on the farm? I know you're growing dahlias and like a few bits and pieces, but do you have yeah. foliage as well? Uh, not a lot of foliage, some mint and yeah. geranium, um, that sort of thing. Uh, I have some foliage plants at home that I use a lot and mm. my neighbour um, across the road has some acacia and things that I'm allowed to pick from, which is handy. Um, nice. Yeah, and... So at the farm at the moment, it's ranunculus, anemones, all of my autumn sown seedlings, your cornflowers, your ammies, your ca- uh, chocolate lace, um, nigella, poppies, they're all coming through. But I, I think the problem is I like a little bit of everything and because the farm's so new, this is coming into its second season, I'm still mm. trying to figure out what's grown best there um, and what needs a little bit more love at home with less wind, a little bit more shade, um, less pests <laughs> to worry yeah. about. Um, so a lot of my daffodils got annihilated by slugs up at the farm oh. and I've, I've never really had that as a problem at home. So still just figuring things out as to what goes best there to home. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but obviously there's more space there. So if I can grow it on a bigger scale, then that's much more helpful for me. But just, yeah, some yeah. things are a little bit more fiddly and need a bit more attention at home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so everything, great. spring flowers um, coming through now and then also I've sown all of my um, summer seedlings already and they'll go in oh, wow. once the last frost is over and I'll, yeah. the next cycle will begin. Yeah, so what are you growing in summer? What 
Sounds um, like so zinnias, uh, cosmos, um, amaranthus, the dahlias. Um, mm. I do like a lot of perennials as well. So I've got quite a few uh, echinacea, rodbeckia, um, yarrows. Yeah, that sort of thing. So, so things yeah. I find things that you can sow once and then come back year after year as a gardener to be so handy now that I've got the flower farm because once you've done it, you've got them. Most of those things you can divide um, yourself at home. So yarrow, you could start with one little plant and, you know, next season you could have a hundred off, off one oh, wow. little plant. Yeah, they, okay. they're quite easy to take little um, yeah. bits of root off and make a whole new plant out of that. So, yeah, perennials yeah. are fantastic because they're just – so much less work than annuals <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's easy when you're on your own as well you know definitely you do it of... once and that's it you don't have to do it you don't have to worry about them again cut them back yeah. at the end of the season and they'll come back later on and that's all you have to worry about yeah so on your farm are you using any chemicals or anything like no that? Or do you try to be Definitely try and be as organic as possible. It's the same as the garden. I don't spray things. Um, if I lose things to bugs, then that's so be it. That's what happens. I've lost it. Yeah, um, yeah uh, I do try and do as much building of the soil to, to um, make healthy plants, but mm-hmm. obviously incredible heat. So we had a few days over 40 really early on in the season last uh, year. Yeah. And that made quite a bit of damage because the plants are still so young. Um, yeah, some of them got fried, but it is what it is. Yeah. There's nothing much you can do about that. Yeah, definitely try and avoid sprays wherever possible. I don't even have yeah. a spray container to just to spray them with. So. <laughs> yeah, or if you did, you might forget it. No. <laughs> yeah, well, if I did, it probably wouldn't be where I needed it anyway. <laughs> oh no that's good to know though is there a reason why you like have chosen to do it that way is there Um, a gardener that you follow or it's just because you know well no just because you watch you watch the full cycle so you know that when the aphids show up those ladybirds will just be a few weeks away and then their babies will eat so many of those little aphids um i had a major issue a couple of years ago on the tomatillos with a um particular bug who was slimy and disgusting um Mm. I think he was a two-striped cucumber beetle I'll have to look at I can't remember what I wrote wrote him down to be I'd never seen one before in my life but they took over my tomatillos and then um the assassin beetles moved in and so I'd been picking these horrible little bugs off for like two weeks and could not get rid of them. And then the assassin beetles moved in and did it all for me. So I feel, oh, yeah, because I've grown a garden with trees and shrubs and all these things, there's birds that hide everywhere. I have so many birds that live in my garden. They eat a lot of the bad bugs. Mm. Um, so I know if you create the environment, you will have the good and the bad bugs. And the good bugs normally deal with the bad bugs without you having to do anything yeah um, yeah there's things I can't really do much with like powdery mildew and and things like that you just need to give good airflow but the bugs yeah. I know the good bugs will help me so yeah. I just need to hold out until they make it <laughs> yeah. and I guess that's good advice just for anyone wanting to deal with like pests is maybe just try and create their own little your own little ecosystem really definitely that 
definitely shrubs, um, having a few trees, having a water source. Um, there's so many things you can do to bring in the good bugs. Not spraying things is the major one because you need your good bugs. They, any of those sprays will kill the good bugs too, which is just not what you want. So, yeah, um, yeah but I do have little boys my boys who love finding caterpillars so I, they're really handy at picking off the caterpillars um when they go all over my brassicas which i've um means i don't have to spray those it's very handy yeah yeah train your kids up <laughs> yeah that's it little helpers they're there <laughs> so when you um after your first season of growing your flowers how did you oh, well sorry i need to go back how did you start selling your flowers for your from your flower farm for, oh, How did you, you reach were, out and find people? You were my first florist that I sold to and um, oh. that I am so so grateful for. Thank you so much. Hopefully um, it wasn't too traumatic. <laughs> no, you were so sweet. I was just scared because <laughs> they were my flowers not, that were going out there. But, yeah, you were, mm. you were amazing. And then um, we did that fundraiser at the Collingwood Children's Farm and I met a yeah. few florists there, um, Jane um, from Flora Legion and things like that. So through meeting people through um, that, but also through Instagram. So quite a few people have bought flowers from me via Instagram, messaging me yeah, on that. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think, yeah, just uh, obviously I sell to friends and family as well. So, but, yeah, the farm stalls via Instagram and then the fundraiser we did together where I met a few florists, which was lovely. Yeah, and if somebody was wanting to buy a few for the coming season, how would how do you just to message selling? me via Instagram? Yeah, yeah so okay. just to message me via Instagram. I also have my email on there if they wanted to contact me. So yes, just Sam mm-hmm. and Wild Violet Garden on Instagram, and I'll let yeah, them know yeah. when things are available. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah. What knowledge do you have to share with somebody who's just starting out? Or- wants to start out on this crazy floral journey okay so starting out from a gardener's point of view um it's really all the same principles so whatever you put into the soil your plants will reward you so feed that soil up compost newer um, mulch just any organic matter to try and make it as alive as possible just that way, keeping your plants healthy, they'll repay you in the long run. Um, get, probably talk to local flower farmers. I have met some of the most amazing people, local flower farmers, who have supported me so much. And whenever I've had a question, I could openly ask them a question and they're so welcoming and have made me feel like I had a real circle of friends in this business because mm. you are working by yourself a lot of the time so it's nice to have people who you can bounce ideas off send photos to um, be like oh have you seen this before look at this crazy thing um, yeah yeah so I think the main thing is grow what you love because your passion will be in that if you're growing a flower you're not re- really particularly interested in you probably won't be as worried about it or you you might not care for it as much as you would something that you really adore um yeah yeah grow what you love feed the soil look at your sunlight um fix your irrigation really well because irrigation is one of the main things that you need on those crazy hot days Mm. um yeah and 
if you can find a sheltered spot from the wind, that would be handy because anything out in a field really gets blown around. <laughs> My poor sweet peas copped it in all that wind we've had recently, so that was a bit of fun. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and I... good flower supports too, I think. If you put in the supports really early, you're less likely to have flowers flopping all over the place, which now I look back on, I should have put those in a little bit earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's good advice. Um, so what's been your biggest learning curve and also your biggest achievement? Um, biggest learning curve is trying to manage my time between family, work, deliveries, the flowers, when to pick your flowers because you really need to pick them out of like right at the end of the day or really early in the morning and mm. with a family that can be a little bit hard if it's not on location. So trying to fit that in. Um, I was really surprised how much I produced in the first year for, I I think you probably really want to start smaller in the first year because it is quite a lot of work, but I was surprised at how much, how many buckets were coming out of such a small area, like every couple of days. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Also, it's not, it's not easy work. I would like to put that out there. There are. <laughs> I hope that I, I hope that from my Instagram stories, people pick up on how hard it can be, and you are covered in mud most of the time. There's there's hardly any prancing around with flower bunches. <laughs> there is so much mud. Mm. The mud is just thick. It is over you most of the time. Your hands um, really cop a lot of it, uh, getting yeah, stained even by the that. mud. Yeah. Mm. Oh, even at, yeah, yeah, exactly. You would know for sure. Your hands. Oh, God, they get really Yeah, sore. they get wrecked. Yeah. They do. Um, but if you love it, then your passion is out there doing it in the rain. I mean, frankly, I'd probably rather work in the cold rain than I would move a, bu- a wheelbarrow of compost in 40-degree weather. But, yeah, <laughs> either way, it's still probably going to need to be done on both sides, so you've got to get <laughs> yeah. it done. Yeah. <laughs> so has your biggest achievement just being able to produce as much as – yeah, I was really surprised at how much I did yeah. produce in that first year. Um, yeah. Because I started, yeah, I didn't start creating it until the June. Um, so I really wasn't sure of how much I would get out by the start of um, summer. And, yeah, so much was coming out so fast that I was I was astounded. But, yeah, yeah really excited as well. Yeah. So being in the industry for a short amount of time, do you have anything that you've noticed in the industry or just is there something within kind of the growing, like the farming industry that you've noticed that um, you either yeah. think needs to change or you have any, you know, um, yeah, I, thoughts and feelings about? So much more goes into it than just harvesting. I think a lot of the time with farming um, maybe we just think about the end product and the value of that rather than all of the work that goes on behind the scenes. So mm. um, farmers really do work year out. Um, there's there's not a big break. Um, so as long as people know how much actually goes into produce, I think until you grow, you probably wouldn't know how much actually goes into your produce. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah, something that once you start doing it, you figure that out. Um there's the educating people on um, where flowers actually come from as well. So Aussie-grown flowers are seasonal. 
things aren't available all year round. Same um, with veggies, but because of people having controlled um, growing environments now, veggies can be made all year round. But with flowers, mm-hmm. not necessarily the case, and so a lot of them are imported. But we're not told they're imported. There's there's no um, labelling rules on country of origin for flowers. So educating people that where your flowers actually do come from, if you can buy Aussie May Aussie grown, then please support um, local growers uh, compared to the overseas yeah. ones. But yeah, how much goes into it, and support local growers if if there was the choice between the two, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Do you think? I think that it's that is a big thing is about how much goes into it because that's you know like that is passed on to the consumer as well because I think that we need to appreciate how much we need to buy our flowers for and instead of always you know like when you're buying a good quality product you're going to have it it's going to last really well that's and it that's it's what fresh. you're buying when you're yeah when you're buying yep. from a local farmer you're getting the best and fresh product that's been hand cared for for months and months and months I mean some flowers like dahlias are year round like you are digging those up in winter and storing those dividing those over winter planting them out in spring you know supporting those flowers deadheading for the growing months that they're not just a you know plant a seed, wait three months, cut a flower. There's not many flowers that really work that way. Um, There are some simpler ones, but, yeah, a lot of things still need weeding, still need deadheaded, still need watering, um, still need protecting. Um, Yeah, so if if people could see how much actually goes into it, I think it would be a bit funny if there was somewhere where we sort of shared all of the craziness of what we're actually doing you know, yeah, they're you just need an like, <laughs> um, yeah. I think we've talked about this before, like the real, the real deal of like flower yeah, farmers and sit, <laughs> sitting there in a yeah. in a puddle of mud trying to get some something fixed in your irrigation, and you know that's not really Instagram worthy, but it, it happens, and that <laughs> that's what's yeah. going on behind the scenes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and just appreciating the fact that that is what happens, and we need exactly. to, you know look after our local growers. So do you have a favourite tool on your farm? Um, (laughs) The thing I have on me most of the time. Yeah, my (laughs) beanie um, or a sun hat in summer because I'm quite fair and I just burn. Um, (laughs) My snips and my twine. I always have my snips and my twine on me because I can fix most things with those. Um, (laughs) If something needs to be cut back, um, yeah, because I grow a lot of berries and things at home, but even the flower farm, you're deadheading constantly. Um, Twine can pretty much fix anything that's collapsed or needs to be tied in or needs to be supported. So, yeah, snips and twine, two favourite things. Awesome. And do you have a favourite flower? Oh, no, it's definitely seasonal. It would change. Depends on the season. Yeah. At the moment, I'm the ranunculus probably have me. Um, yeah. But I'm sure the second the sweet peas start, I'll say it's them. No, I'm the same. <laughs> and then it, and then it will be the season. yarrow and, yeah, and then the dahlias and then, you know, the chrysanthemums and I'll just keep changing my mind. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to pick and it definitely changes depending on what's out that week. Yeah. So if you had to leave 
This is a question I've asked everyone. Oh. If you had to leave your farm like quickly in the middle of the <gasps> night, what what three seeds or three plants would you take with you? Mm. Can I just put my hand in my seed pile and just take like a whole handful of just random seeds? I'd probably take things I've <laughs> saved because I feel like they've already gone through the cycle of so many years of me saving seeds. Um, so my poppy seeds, I'd probably take those. Um, yeah. My cosmos seeds, I'd take those. Oh, it's and, and I'd probably take a few of my – I'd just yank some of my raspberries out of the ground because they're, they're brilliant um, – they're brilliant for kids. I can't go past the raspberries. I'd be taking those with yeah. me. But you can use the cut flower foliage as well. So it's a versatile plant. You can yeah, eat them. You can the, use the foliage. I love using the foliage in um, arrangements. I love oh, raspberry. they're all just coming yeah. back. They're all waking up now, Beck. So uh, awesome. they'll be back I know. Soon. I've planted, oh. I have planted two, Sam, Yay! two raspberries. I know. And <laughs> they will multiply. And look at those like yep. little things. I know. Hayley told me about them multiplying. Yeah. And it's a good to be thing. Honest, you I just had, need to, yeah. <laughs> I brought a lot more. Yeah. And Hayley was like, maybe. Don't want to have all of those because they're going to take over your garden. So I gave yeah. a lot to my next door neighbor, which is great because now we can just share our raspberries. Yeah, and the girls will love them. They'll be all over yeah. those. Yeah, but yeah, I love the foliage. It's beautiful. It is. Is there anything else I haven't asked you that you wanted to get across about your farm and your journey? Um, I think if there's anyone out there that just isn't sure about giving it a go, just to try it like even if you've just got a little space in your backyard and you just wanted to give it a go what have you got to lose just putting some of your favorite flowers there try selling them out the front asking friends if they're interested in buying some of your flowers just try if I hadn't given it a go I'd have never known and and it was the courage I think for a few years I was thinking about putting flowers at the front and I was too scared of the rejection of people not Mm -hmm. wanting them and then when they actually started selling, I was so surprised um, that people loved them just as much as I did. So, yeah, if there's anyone out there that's not really sure about giving it a go, just just try it. If if they don't sell, they don't sell. You just have more bunches for your table. Yeah. Exactly. But, yeah, I'm sure that there will be local people that want to purchase them. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for your time tonight and no worries for chatting to little old me. It's, um, <laughs> it's um, makes me feel very humbled when I get to speak to all of these beautiful growers. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Love chatting mm. to you. All right. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Beck. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thank you to Sam for chatting all things flower farming with me. It was wonderful to speak to you. If you would like to get in touch with Sam, you can do so via her Instagram at sam underscore wild underscore violet underscore garden. I have decided that there will be one more episode after this and then we'll be doing a few bonus episodes and then going to season two. To be honest, when I started this podcast, I had no idea of what the feedback would be like, if people would listen, if growers would even be interested in telling their stories, but it's just been incredible and it's been so exciting to see it blossom like this. So I've had lots of interest from around Australia, so next season we will be doing 
Victorian growers who I have loads more to bring you and then also other growers from different states. So please stay tuned for that and also the few bonus episodes that we'll have in the coming weeks. Uh, if you would like to be on the show, then you can email me at dishthedirtpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to leave a review, please do so on Apple Podcasts. It really helps people find the show and just get more voices out there. Uh, until next week, wherever you are in the world, I hope that you're safe. I hope that you're happy. I hope that you're gardening. And I don't know if you're going into winter that um, you're about to have a little bit of a rest. Or if you're coming into spring, that all of your beautiful spring flowers are just looking stunning out there. Uh, Until next week, keep being blooming fabulous.